my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm really one. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you this brand new year. Uh, this week we're looking at is the Bible relevant in the third millennium? And the big question for today, how did we get the Bible? Today our co-host is Helen Gray and Helen's the lay pastor for the Birdwood Adelaide Adventist Church. Welcome to you, Helen. Thank you, Gary. I just love your enthusiasm and it's just, you know, rolls off to others. So bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. (laughs) Welcome particularly to Australia Day 2021. Isn't this a fantastic time of the year? Absolutely. Absolutely. It is so good Mm. to be an Australian. Yes. You know, I have yes. celebrated Australia Day so many years uh, by going to the uh, to the one day cricket match here in uh, here in Adelaide. I love going to the uh, to the cricket. Uh, love going to uh, down to Adelaide Oval and just love sitting there and uh, and sharing with whoever the visitors are in Australia and uh, and watching. Often I, I do it with my, with my daughter and uh, her husband. And uh, a fantastic day uh, to be able to go and uh, celebrate Australia Day. At the uh, at the cricket, but uh, tell me, what do you most appreciate about Australia today? Well, I'm just thinking of Australia Day first, Gary. Of those people that have made a choice to become Australians. You were born in Australia. I was. I wasn't, and I made that choice. And what a great great choice I believe it is. And to see other people. So, what's your heritage? I'm from Britain. From okay. Scotland, okay, Bonnie Scotland. Scottish. I'm a Scot, Scottish, yes. yes. And um, funny enough, I was living in Papua New Guinea when I decided to become an Australian. Wow! And so you've spent time in Papua New Guinea mm-hmm. as well, almost ten years, which was quite quite interesting. But it's it's helped me to appreciate Australia. You said, you know, what do I like about Australia? Yeah. The vastness of Australia, the freedom of Australia. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't lack like very much here in Australia, Gary. And sadly, I see people take it for granted. You know, that's one of the incredible truths because I know, I don't know about you, but I've traveled many places in the world, but every time I come back uh, to Australia, I feel like kneeling down and kissing the ground because there is so much in this country. You know, sometimes I hear, I hear people uh, complain about our, our medical system here in Australia. And yet I go, everywhere I go in the world, I say, Hey, you know, Australia has to be in the top three. Um, this, this is a remarkable uh, system that we've actually got. I love the multicultural environment. You know, I just love being able to go to all the different restaurants that have sprung up as a result of um, of so many different cultures being in our uh, in our country. You know, and if if we didn't have all those cultures, we wouldn't have all those restaurants. And wow, wouldn't we all feel deprived? Mm, it's brought a richness to our to our country. Yeah. You know, when I said, you know, we take things for granted. There's a saying that says you don't appreciate the well until the water runs dry. Yeah. And I'm sadly, I think that might one day kind of happen here. You know, we may not have the freedom that we've got now. So we should be we should be very proud to be Australians and and just count them all our blessings yeah, about living yeah, in Australia. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. love Australia Day. I think yes. it's a you know it, it is such an incredible blessing to be able to set aside a day. 
day where you simply say, hey, this day is is a day where as as a multicultural nation we can come together and yes. we can just simply simply share. I, uh, what what a, what a blessing uh, we uh, we have to be living in this country at this time. When I look at so many parts of the the struggles that are that are occurring in so many parts yes. of the of the world. But look, Absolutely. one of the things I'd love to chat to you about uh, concerning Australia Day uh, is uh, is a discussion that I've noticed in the in the media uh, just in the last uh, last little while. And of course, this uh, this is one that uh, actually had me talking back at the television set the other day, and my wife was telling me to settle down because you the do television. That often? Uh, I, I don't often do that, but it's just the other day I was getting a little stirred up, and uh, uh, you, you know how you start to talk back at the television set. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I was doing, and um, this article was in uh, concerned our friend Daniel Andrews from Victoria. Daniel Andrews and Mark McGowan from Western Australia oppose Australia Day honour for tennis legend Margaret Court because of her LGBT views, and uh, this is uh, this comes straight from the uh, ABC uh, website. This is how they reported it. Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews and Western Australian Premier Mark McGowan say they do not support former tennis great Margaret Court being recognised with an Australia Day honour. Miss Court is set to be promoted to a companion of the Order of Australia. She's currently an officer of the Order of Australia. In recent years, Miss Court has come under fire for her views on the LGBT community. I do not support that. I do not believe that she has views that accord with the vast majority of people across our nation that see people, particularly from the LGBT community, as equal and deserving of dignity, respect and safety, Mr. Andrews said. Now, he said something very interesting here. I do not, I do not believe he said that, um, that her views are in accord with the majority of people across our nation. How would you respond to that, Hal? Well, he uses the word vast majority, and I'm sorry. I think that's an exaggeration right? Um, to go along with his, his statements. I have nothing against Dan Andrews myself, but um, he has said some things, and um, he's in a position to be a role model just as, um, you know, we all are. And this tennis legend... Man, what a role model she's been. She is entitled to her opinion. And I know she's a Christian. I know she's a reverend. And um, she has done much for her country. Yeah. And I, I believe um, she she does hold people as deserving as dignity, respect and safety, as he says. But she has a standard that she follows from Scripture. Okay. And and um, it's a high standard for a lot of people. That doesn't mean she doesn't love the people, you know. Okay. But, a, but she a, may a, not like what they a do. A difference of views yes. does not mean that you hate the other person. No. You can actually no. disagree with somebody yes. and say, hey, I mean, my children, I actually say to my children on occasion, certainly when they were growing up, what you are doing is wrong. Mm. But that doesn't mean that I hate my children, does Absolutely. it? You know, because mm. I disagree and even reprimand them mm. doesn't automatically go across to saying, hey, I hate my children. That would no. be foolishness to say mm. something like that. Do you know, one of the things that I that really stand out to me the other day, I, uh, I noticed in the Adelaide Advertiser here, they had one of these little surveys that come out from time to time and, you know, do you agree, you know, do you, do you agree with Dan Andrews or, you know, do you think that uh, uh, Margaret Court should 
should receive this honour. And, mm. you know, Dan Andrews has said that the majority of people would vast agree, majority. the vast majority yeah. of people would agree with his view. And yet the Adelaide Advertiser actually puts out a survey and the vast majority of people did not agree yeah. with what Dan Andrews was saying. Mm. And yet that was never reported. You know, I think there's a, there's a challenge here that's saying something to us about the positioning of the contemporary media. The Australian Christian Lobby weighed in on this particular discussion and said it supports the recognition of Mrs Court in the Australia Day honours list. In a statement, Western Australia Director Peter Abbott said if Australia Day awards are only to be given to people who espouse politically correct views, it would destroy the very nature of those awards. After someone is nominated for the Order of Australia, the Governor-General's research each candidate. You know, this, uh, this issue of having to espouse politically correct views. Should award recipients be required to accept the prevailing politically correct view? What's your thought? Well, I think if that's the case, you do away with people's individual opinions, um, freedom of speech, and what else? What what gets to me about this whole article, though, um, Gary, is that here Dan Andrews is honing in on one one particular thing. Here we've got Margaret Court has been a very good role model. Yeah. She still holds the titles. Yeah. You know, she earned those titles, and she is a lovely Christian woman. And yet he's honing in on this one, you yeah. know, I think it's unfair. Yeah. I think the article yeah. is unfair. So you would give the award to uh, Margaret Court? Yes, I would. Okay. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. I see no problem at all with what uh, giving this award to Margaret mm. Court. And I think uh, uh, to be able to have a diversity, of a, a diversity of opinions in a country like Australia, to be able to freely uh, debate and discuss is actually recognised mm. by the majority of people in this country. And it's a, a little bit sad that some of our politicians expect us all to actually follow the politically correct view mm. of that particular day and mm. age. To me, that's very sad. Mm. Um, but is. look, let's come to some uh, some music. Uh, this is uh, Michael W. Smith, and the uh, song is Ancient Words.
That was Michael W. Smith, Ancient Words. What a fantastic uh, song that really is, talking about our theme of today. For you, our free gift today is a free gift Bible. We're talking about the Bible. So this week we're offering you a free gift Bible. This gift Bible comes to you with Mark Finley Helps. This is, this is truly a, a marvelous little, uh, little book. If you've, uh, if you don't have a Bible or you need a, a new Bible to be able to work your way through, uh, we are today providing you with a, this is a new King James version. It's got Pastor Mark Finley has developed some, some helps. Many people have really appreciate uh, what he has actually Actually presented. If you would like to have a free gift Bible, uh, you can send uh, a request to uh, 0488 880811. Double one. Now, please remember that number has changed uh, from last year. Please text your name uh, and the fact that you would like the gift Bible and address your your home address to o four double eight double eight o eight double one. That number again o four double eight double eight o eight double one. If you would like to send us a question about today's subject, you're most welcome to send us a question or a comment. We'd love to be able to hear from you. You can again text those questions or comments to that same number. That's 0488 880811. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is Helen Gray, and Helen's the lay pastor for the Birdwood Adventist Church. This week we're looking at the Bible. Is it relevant in the third millennium? And the big question for today, how did we uh, get the Bible? Before we go there, just however, Helen, just tell us, how has the Bible impacted your life? Oh, Gary, it's transformed my life completely. Have you always been a believer? No, I have not. Um, I grew up, you know, in a Sunday-keeping church, and uh, I learned to love Jesus as a child. Um, He was my best friend. Uh, I didn't want to know about God. Somebody Mm -hmm. said he's like my father, and my father was kind of abusive, so I didn't want to know about God. Mm -hmm. But as I got older and I went to a seminar... And I wasn't even sure if the Bible was true. And I went to a seminar and I heard the most amazing (laughs) prophecy that I think is in the Bible. Well, there's so many prophecies, but this one was in Daniel 2. And although I didn't understand it fully at that time, I was blown away, Gary, because when I got home, my brother and I both went in and looked at this this prophecy, and then we went to the library and we looked up history books and all the rest of it, and we found how accurate the Bible was. It was spot on, and that blew my mind. I thought, wow, and of course, Jesus also, he says, you know, if you know me, you know the Father, so then I started to think, well, there has to be a God, there has to be a loving Father who gives us Mm. all the this information and when I found that it was all true Gary that that then inspired me to dig deeper into scripture Bible the Bible oh I, I remember once I went on a trip and I had my Bible in my suitcase in a just a zip part and someone took it and I was absolutely mortified 
And and all I could think of was, I hope they come to God through that Bible because it just meant so much to me. Wow. And today, I just can't get enough of it. You yeah. know, I I've learned about the author. I love the author of the Bible. Yeah. And um, if I can very quickly, just tell you a little story about a woman who got a book one day, and she was. She looked at it and thought it was the most boring book she'd ever had, and she threw it across the room. Well, years later, she met a man, and she married him, fell in love and married him. And then she realized that that book actually had the same name. And when she said something to her husband, he said, yeah, I wrote it. Well, it was a different story then. She got to know the author and love him, and mm-hmm. that night, she read the whole book. Wow. She just fell wow. in love with the book as well. Yeah, and I yeah. believe that once we know the author, he is just amazing. Yeah, and we'll yeah. fall in love with his love letters, I call them. Yeah, yeah. I love the Bible. It's, it's one of the real challenges yeah. that we do actually face today, isn't it? Because one of the things that I'm conscious as a as a church pastor is increasingly people are actually coming to uh, you know to faith, but they're actually biblically illiterate, mm. and it's one of the huge challenges that I'm facing because you know so much of uh, life is bound up in stories, you know, and it's when I hear the way that you know a super natural God has impacted your life that I say, hey, perhaps uh, he could also impact my life. But what we actually have in the Word of God is just continually you got story after story. You get all of these packed full of stories mm-hmm. within the Word of God that tell us remarkable, mind-altering, mind mind-blowing uh, um, material that as I look at them, I say, hey, if these things are true... And I believe there are, and I, I believe you, you correctly made a, an important statement just a little while ago, and that's that issue about evidence, because, you know, so, so many of those stories that are within the scriptures are actually backed up with evidence. Yes. You sort of find the evidence from, from archaeology. I you think find we're going to ar- discuss that through the history. week. We're going to mm. be discussing this yes. all through the week. And so the scriptures are actually backed up with a thing called evidence. Yes. The problem we've got today is that increasingly uh, people Number one, actually aren't aware of what's in the Bible, and then they're not aware of the evidence that there is to actually back up what is actually in the Word of God. It's and an incredible me, book. It's an amazing book. Mm-hmm. And as a result, what we're getting is a paucity of understanding of the of the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, Helen, um, increasingly... The Bible's unknown by huge portions of society. Uh, Just tell us a little bit about, you know, introduce us to the Bible is I suppose what what I'm saying to you today. Tell us a little bit, if a person didn't know anything about the Bible, what should they know? Well, if somebody wanted to know the Bible, well, they've got to get into the Bible. <laughs> Let's face it. But you pick up the Bible, and it's not like an ordinary book, Gary. It's not like a book that you start at the, the first Genesis. That is in the beginning. That is true. But I know too many people have started there, and they get to, they might get up to Genesis, Exodus. They may even get up to Leviticus, and they lose interest. It's just they just don't know. I, I would like people to get to know the author. And by that, I suggest, um, what I would suggest is go to the New Testament, have a look at one of the Gospels. John's Gospel is a good one. Um, and we're going to discuss today how it came about, and hopefully that will give you a lot more confidence in the Bible to start with. But unless you can get into the Word, you're not going to really experience it. And I would recommend before we open the Word, and we're about to do it today, that we have prayer 
because we we want the Holy Spirit to give us enlightenment. Mm. We don't want the opposition to be over our shoulder telling us different things. Yeah. So, Gary, would you like to have a quick prayer? I'd please, love please? to. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you today. We want to say thank you for giving us your word. Uh, Lord, I just pray that as we share, as we talk together, that indeed your Holy Spirit might touch the minds of those who are uh, listening to this program. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Gary. Um, I think before we discuss how the Bible was actually assembled, Gail, we, we should understand what the Bible itself actually really is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so because of the way Bibles are published, it's often seen as a singular book. Yeah. You know, and people look at it that way. But the Bible is actually a collection of writings. Not just one. And many different styles of writings and genres, the Bible is better understood as an anthology of writings that tell a singular and grand overarching story. Okay, so there's a there's an overarching story there, but it's there's a lot of different authors. Yes. It's like a compendium, isn't it? Absolutely. In fact, the Bible contains 66 distinct books under two major divisions. And the first one, 39 books of the Bible, were mostly written in the Hebrew language and are commonly referred to as the Old Testament. And, of course, that was the, as I understand it, that was the a Bible of Jesus' day. That's the Bible that Jesus would have yes, had. Yes, so when, yes. So when we're talking about um, Jesus' Bible, we're actually talking about what we would call the Old Testament. Yes, but not only the Old, the New the old one is really a book of um, prophecies and things that are going to happen. And the new one is telling us how they were fulfilled. And Jesus himself, and we're going to discuss this later on in the week as well, but he made many references to the Old Testament. So I counsel you not to just take it apart, you know, or the whole Bible. And we're going to talk about how that came about in just a moment. But the second set of books, that was originally written in the Greek language and it was called the New Testament. And the, these 66 book, Gary, what amazes me, they, they occurred over a span of about 4,000 years of human history with as many as 40 different human authors, diverse cultures, backgrounds, writing styles and genres were used to write the Bible. I find that absolutely incredible. But just, just one little bit of trivia here. I was reading about John F. MacArthur. You've probably heard that name Uh in Christian circles. He said the Bible is comprised of 66 books, 1,189 chapters, 31,173 verses, and depending on the translation, 774 and sorry, 774,746 words. I don't know if he actually sat down and counted them all, but I thought, well, yeah, that's quite a bit, isn't it, to take in? But yes. I thought I'd share that little bit of um, little bit of trivia with you. Okay, let's let's move on. A little bit of history. You know, people have not always used books to store and communicate information. And in the beginning, the messages of God of, um, to man they were communicated orally. Yeah. You know, God spoke to Adam face to face in the Garden of Eden and Adam received revelation straight from the Creator. And in turn, Adam shared that knowledge with Seth and Seth passed it down to Lamech who passed it to Noah. And though sin had infected the world, Adam and his descendants, they possessed a mind, I believe, fashioned from the hands of God, more powerful and sophisticated than, than probably any supercomputer. Mm. And prior to the flood, when lives were measured by hundreds of years, humans, I believe, had a vast capacity to remember virtually everything. We would call that photographic memory. 
But then you come following the flood, sort of life came a little differently and the earth's environment changed and in short, the ability of man to remember God's oracles became impaired. So by the time of Moses, after years of his people being held in bondage in a pagan infested nation, God saw it was necessary to codify his messages to humanity. Mm. And, you know, Moses became the first scribe in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and probably the book of Job were written during Moses' day in the wilderness. Yeah, so, so there's got, a background, and on that's it. the first five books of the Bible. Yes. Of course, you know Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy yep. are all written by Moses, and probably they are probably the hot, the oldest books in the in the Bible. And yes. of course, the Book of Job was also we think written by by Moses, but that's probably writing down something that was an oral story at his particular uh, point in point yes. in time. Yeah, but you know, writing painstaking process if they wanted to copy. The Bible. Mm. And you know, before the printing press, where was that in the 15th century? Somewhere around there? Yeah. Am I right yeah. or wrong? Yeah. yeah. You know, they didn't have computers. So, in other words, to and pass so the Bible on, what you actually had to do was to. Uh, Write painstakingly copy it. But you know, can I just ask a question on that? You know, isn't there danger that a lot of inaccuracy will treat, creep in as a result of, uh, you know, I mean, one scribe copying and then another scribe copying the copy and, uh, and oh, I so hear on. what you're saying, but they painstakingly did it. Letter and by letter, word by word. They were very, very conscious um, writers. I think the group I'm thinking of were the Essenes. Yes, yes. And, um, yeah, and, and they actually did most of the writing. And, but and what's interesting, if I can just quickly add this, Gary, what's interesting that is that we have now over 5,800 Greek manuscripts which testify to the word is accurate. And... The reason that they actually testify that it is accurate is because they are essentially the same as older copies. Yes. And, you know, to me, that's a very beautiful thing. It's miraculous. I... I love the way the uh, the scribes did actually ensure accuracy. Yes. You see, their trade it's it's very much like like today. Um, a person building a uh, a fine motor car um, is expected to be able to get the, uh, the the their measurements on the uh, on the development of the car down to uh, microns yes. of a, of an inch. That's the expectation on those tradesmen. Do you know the scribes had similar expectations on, on them? That's if, a good description. If, yeah. if in fact, the, um, uh, the scribe made one mistake in, the, uh, in, in his transliteration, you had to throw the scroll out. Yes. You know, to, to me, you look at that and you say, oh, you know, there's an incentive there to not make those mistakes. And it's actually amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And we've had a, a discovery that they made, and a lot of people might have heard of it, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yes, yes. Uh, which is absolutely fantastic. When they they discovered this manuscript, it was um, a thousand years, I think, older than the manuscript of Isaiah. And when they actually put it together, they discovered that the texts were virtually identical to its thousand-year-old descendants. That's actually one of the most remarkable things that that, that we've actually found, yeah. That blows my mind when I think about that, Gary. But, you know, the Bible itself is where... 
and how these different books were written and placed together as holy scriptures. We need to sort of realize, first of all, the Bible tells us that it is from God himself. Mm. And I want to um, look at a text, if you have got it there, Gary, perhaps, in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. Okay, this is a. I this think is you a, probably know it. <laughs> this is actually a really Im, uh, important uh, passage of scripture yes. because uh, uh, Timothy is actually Paul uh, through Timothy is actually saying something that uh, um, uh, this is Second Timothy three and uh, it's verse uh, verse sixteen yes. and uh, what what Paul says in speaking to Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. For instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Mm. And you know that that word inspired. I think we could actually literally translate it "God breathed." Okay, so just dig into this one. All Scripture is given by inspiration. So you're saying that is God breathed. What does that actually mean? I mean, um, I mean, if I'm going to write a book, I can uh, sit and you know the words will come out of my mind. Mm-hmm. Is it different when the Bible uh, when the Bible books were being written? I had a feeling you were going to ask me that, Gary. <laughs> Um, the phrase God breathe is actually translated from the Greek word theopneustos. Is that how you say it, Gary? You're the Greek scholar, not me. Um, keep keep going there. Keep, keep going okay. there. Yep. Meaning, meaning that God breathed and by extension inspired by God. So let me just quote from a a a book that I was looking at, Giesler and Nick's Wright. Inspiration is the process by which spirit-moved writers recorded God-breathed writings. And I, I, there was another book I looked at, Introduction to the Bible by Moody Press. It said, this book provides an excellent overview of how we got the Bible. And it's, it goes on to say, covering many topics in great detail. Inspiration means that human writers were inspired by God and moved by the Holy Spirit to record accurately what God wanted them to preserve. It does not mean that God took control of people in a sense of some occult practices known as automatic writing, where the writer is in a translate state. It also doesn't mean that the writers of the Bible were simply taking dictation, but it does mean that their words were divine inspired and recorded the Bible was written by real people living in real places recording real historical f- events and also communicating God's real truths that's that's a, an excellent description because you know to me there's something very beautiful about the fact that uh, the Holy Spirit is actually able to so impact a person's mind that the mind is actually to able to then write down uh, not the thoughts that uh, have been uh, coming out of their their natural thinking processes, but rather a thought. I mean, there are examples right through the scriptures. For example, of d- visions and dreams. You know, you get mm. a number of uh, quite a number of occasions there where visions and dreams are actually given to individuals, and the individual will then write down uh, the uh, the vision or the dream that they've actually received. You know, and they weren't a, robots, and they weren't robots. So no. this is this is a, a, a totally different process to that which a person might use if they were writing a, a novel. Mm. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. I I just find it really interesting. Some people say, "Well, how did Moses? I mean, he wasn't there at creation, was he?" 
No, that's. But that. he wrote about creation. Yeah. How did he do that? Yeah. Once again, it's this process of inspiration, isn't it? Mm. Actually, you know, God puts that thought there, mm. and He does work very closely. and And I just, I just find that just so amazing. When, when you think, you know, as I said, Moses wasn't alive during creation of the earth, but he wrote the story as it was passed to him and preserved by God. And similarly, if even if you look at the Gospels, Gary, in the New Testament, they were most likely written long after Jesus died. Mm-hmm. But Luke, for example, notes that he wrote his Gospel after extensive research and interviews. You know, we trust that all that they wrote was fully, truly inaccurate because we know that Scripture is not man's creation. It is rather the very breath of God himself. Mm. And you've read that text, mm. which which I find is, you know, absolutely amazing. That's, that, that, that's powerful. Um, mm. So any, any other passages from the Word of God that, uh, I mean, what, what does, uh, does Peter have anything to say? Second Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 16, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. You know, I love what Peter is actually saying to his to his uh, to those that are listening to him, because here there is a by the Holy Spirit. This is where the Bible is so different to the classic novel that so many of us will actually read and look at. This is the Bible is not a novel. This is something that we ignore at our own peril, because according According to its own claims, it has been inspired. Not it came not from humanity, but it came from divinity. You know, yeah. as I look at that, I say, "Hey, this has the this book actually has the um, ability to change uh, how people think." Oh, absolutely! It transforms lives. Yeah. You know, yeah. when you said it's not a novel, it isn't a novel, but it is novel. That's a good way of putting it. Compared to a lot of other books. Uh, I notice in in John 6.63, Gary, he says, the Lord says, the word is spirit and life. You know, and and Jesus himself said, I come to give you life more abundantly. And I have to tell you, I have to testify that in getting in and studying the Bible now, I I really feel that my life is much, much more abundant than it ever used to be. You know, when you think that, by God's grace, his word was actually preserved right down through the ages. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's and, still here, and that's the and that's the reality, isn't it? You know, we have actually had God's word given to us through this process of inspiration, and yes. then so carefully maintained down through the ages. Absolutely, yeah. and we can be confident that we're actually hearing God's voice, just as He first spoke it to our spiritual parents many many years ago. Yeah, yeah. you know. Let's come to some uh, some music. Uh, this is uh, Randy Travis, Above All, a beautiful song. Above all powers, above all kings, above all nations, all created things 
and all the ways of man You were here before the world began Above all kingdoms, above all thrones Above all wonders this world has ever known Above all wealth and treasures of the earth There's no way to measure what you're worth Crucified, laid behind a stone You live to die, rejected and alone like a Before, and thought of me above all, above all powers, above all kings, above all nations, and all creative things, above all wisdom. And all the ways of man You were here before the world began Above all kingdoms Above all thrones Above all wonders This world has ever known Above all wealth and treasures of the earth There's no way to measure what you're worth Crucified Laid behind the stone You live to die Rejected and alone took the fall and thought of me above all crucified laid behind the stone you live to die rejected and alone like a rose trampled on the ground And thought of me above all, like a rose trampled on the ground. You took the fall and thought of me above all. 
is Randy Travis above all. What a beautiful uh, song. Today, don't forget, guys, our, uh, our our free gift to you today is a free gift Bible. This free gift Bible comes to you with the Mark Finley uh, Helps, uh, a real aid in understanding and comprehending the Bible. If you'd like our free gift Bible, then uh, please text your name, your address, and your phone number. Please text it to 0488. Double eight, oh eight, double one. Now this is a brand new number. All our hosts will be using this same number. So please text. This is just a text number. Oh four double eight, double eight, oh eight, double one. Just simply say free gift Bible with your name, your address, and your phone number, and we'll have that free gift Bible are coming to you. Also, if you've got any comments, any thoughts, or any questions concerning today's program, uh, you can text those questions to that uh, to that same number. That number again is 0488880811. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Uh, today, our co-host is Helen Gray, and Helen's the lay pastor for the Birdwood Adventist Church. This week, we're looking at the Bible Is it relevant in the third millennium? And the big question for today is how did we get uh, the Bible? Uh, now, Helen, just we want to move into some practical issues here, if we if we if we possibly can. But look, if somebody wanted to get a copy of the Bible, if they go into you know Kurong, they go into a a bookstore that sells a Bible, they'll find many different versions of yes. the Bible. Which do you have a particular version that you would recommend? Well, um, number one for me, I study out of the King James, but I do realise that's hard for a lot of people. Um, the one I use a lot is the New Living Translation. I tend to go for translations more more than um, what is the other paraphrases? More than paraphrases. Yeah. Yes, because paraphrases of often the author um, that has put that together has put it in words. Yes, it might um, fit our our modern society, but a lot of it is theirs. Where the translation, even the modern translations, um, are taken from the actual um, Greek um, and Hebrew. I'm thinking particularly of things like the message, Eugene Peterson. Um, I know some people say, oh, you shouldn't use that. But I remember my, my brother-in-law, he, he, was, he got a copy one day. He was so excited. Yeah. He, he rang, he'd been at the church for a while, and he rang me at work, and he said, you've got to listen to this. Yeah. And it just suddenly hit him. So I got a, a message Bible. I looked at it, and I went back to see who was Eugene Peterson. Yeah. And where did he, was it a translation or a paraphrase? It is a translation. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a very good one. Yeah. But some people, you know, all the Bibles, God can use any Bible. I really believe God can use any Bible, providing if you are a seeker after him and for God, he can lead you. My my niece came over once and we were in Kurong and she said, I want a Bible. She'd never had a Bible. And we'd been discussing a few things and she said, what should I get? I said, well, I tell you what, I'm going to let you go through and have a look at these Bibles and I'm going to stand over there and I'm going to pray. That yeah. The Holy Spirit will impress you which one. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, you need to pick them up and have a look at the words. And she did. And she got one, which she was very pleased about. And she also bought a, a um, I think it was Brian Ball's book on, was it Brian Ball that wrote the book, Is Jesus Essential? Uh, Jesus I, is I, Essential or I something? I believe something like that. Yeah. And she bought that and read that in one night. Mm. You know, and I believe God, if you're seriously seeking, God will use any of them. Yeah. yeah providing... Yeah. 
providing it's a translation. Yeah, yeah. Well, one yeah. of the real, real blessings that I that I certainly had at one point was I bought a copy of the uh, uh, the Bible, uh, certainly on on CD. And as I went along in the car. I just found that, you know, being able to spend some time just listening to the Word of God, uh, being read to me by somebody who actually had a, a real gift at, uh, at being able yes. to read, uh, was an amazing blessing because as, as you're moving along in the car, you just, you're picking things up that it's so easy to overlook if you don't do that. And I would encourage people, you know, sometimes, that's hey, good. you know, that's an easy way to actually read the Bible right through. Uh, I mean, do you do, do you read the Bible uh, regularly? I mean, do you have a plan oh, uh, for, for, for reading the Scriptures? Absolutely. But what you just said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Yeah. And that's what Paul you're doing. Paul from Romans. That's, that's what you're doing by listening to it. I, I was amazed one day. Sometimes we can get so familiar with the version we've got. You know, as I said, King James, New King James, whatever. And I remember I picked up a, and I had a parallel Bible, and I started reading from it, and I thought, that's not in the King James. <laughs> I went to the King James, and guess what? It was. It was there. Yeah. And that, in turn, inspired me to get in deeper in, yeah. into, into the Word. Let me just tell a little quick little story, Gary, if I may, that I found. And it says, A man once dreamed that he was walking through the desert one night when he heard a voice that told him to fill his pockets with the stones at his feet. The voice then said, Tomorrow you will be both glad and sad. So the confused man took a handful of pebbles, stuffed them in his pocket. The next morning he examined the pebbles and discovered that the stones were really precious gems. He was happy and he was sad. Happy he had obeyed and picked up some gems, but sad that he had not picked up more. <laughs> the Bible, too, is filled with priceless riches, but unless we open it and mine its pages, we will be without true wealth. Mm. I thought mm. that was was a very good way of putting it. I, I, yes, I have a method of studying now, Gary, and I teach people how to study their Bible, mm-hmm. because I think that's very much lacking Share that with us. today. Well, there are various ways that you can study the Bible. What I've been doing with a, a group at Birdwood and... Um, I said to them, you know, too often you get spoon fed. So yeah. you need to, you need to learn yourself. And we started off, um, under Pastor Ivor Myers, he taught phototheology, what he calls phototheology. Mm-hmm. And we, we took, um, a, a five, he called it the five dimension room to, to pull up a story or a verse or something in the Bible and then apply these to it. You know, is there something in there that is talking is it literal? Is it symbolic? Is there something in there talking oh, about Jesus? Oh. Is there something talking about me, the church, heaven? The other so you're place. asking questions asking primarily questions. about the stories yes. that you actually find in the scriptures. Yes. And then we went on to another room, which we call another room, and it was a question room, where we actually do question. We ask that text questions. Yeah. You know, it might say, and therefore they da-da-da. Well, what's the therefore? Where did that come from? And then we read it in context. Yeah. And this is just a brief overview but yeah. there are many, many ways of studying. We have somebody here today, and I'm going to put her on the spot, um, Gary. We have Jeanette here, and um, Jeanette is a very dear close friend of mine, and Jeanette has been studying with us, and she's learned how to study the Bible. Jeanette, how has it affected your studies? How do you feel about it? Well, it has been pretty interesting. Um, the thing is, I needed this, and um, I've appreciated what all the work that Helen's put into it. And it's drew me closer to the Lord through this. Um, 
Great. Thank you. That's actually a really important thing to actually be able to say, isn't it? That as a result of your studying the the Word of God, what it means is that you feel that you have a a closer walk with Jesus Christ. And of course, that's what the, the New Testament talks about because, you know, these are those that testify of me is what Jesus Christ uh, did actually say. And this is in, increasingly what I find occurs is that as people spend time in the Word of God, so they're brought, brought closer to Jesus Christ. Helen. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Jeanette. I appreciate that. I put her on the spot here. But, you know, the Word of God needs to become part of our lives. Tell me, though, Helen, where would you start reading um, the uh, the Scriptures? I mean, you've mentioned that you wouldn't read, uh, start right from Genesis. And I agree with you there because very quickly what tends to happen is people go from Genesis and they get into um, Exodus and Leviticus. And, of course, Leviticus has got – it's the book of – there's lots of – genealogies there it tells the the history and of the of the israelite nation and certainly it was important at that particular age but today the ancient genealogies probably aren't as important uh, to us uh, to us today these are historical books uh, so i certainly tend to encourage people to say hey, that's probably not where i would start I'm, i've certainly read yeah. through the bible yeah. in fact my aim is to read through the scriptures each year that's that's the aim I've set yes. myself in in recent uh, in recent years, and uh, so I systematically try to work my way through the scriptures. But do you know when a person is new to the Word of God, it's not where I encourage them. I don't encourage them to start way back in the Old Testament. No. Uh, you've mentioned that you like the Book of John, yeah, or the. The, any of the Gospels. I, yeah. I, I find myself, in fact, I often encourage people to come uh, into the Gospel of Luke. Luke. I, I love Luke, Luke because yes. the benefit of Luke is he was actually a doctor. He actually writes incredibly logically. He does. And uh, he, he does. actually wrote another book, of course, which is the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. And I've actually encouraged people to go from the Gospel of Luke uh, and then just go keep reading straight into skip a book, the book of John and goes straight into uh, the, uh, the the history of the early uh, the New Testament church and so Luke and then Acts and I found the two it's almost like reading one book and uh, I've often encouraged people to simply look at those two books because it tells us the story of Jesus Christ it tells you why he came it tells you what he taught he taught you it tells you where he went and it tells you how the New Testament church actually followed up on his teachings. And you know, as I look at that, I say, hey, you know, you get a wonderful picture of what the Word of God is actually saying just in those two books. You do, Gary, and that's important. As you get deeper into the Word, though, please don't ignore Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus. Please go back. Um, Genesis is full of some amazing stories. It needs to be part of our life, but we also need to, it's not going to happen unless we make a regular time and commit to study and prayer of that word and I do that you know my morning time is a good time that I study I like to do it early in the morning because then I have no distractions sometimes though I'm, I'm doing it even I do like night. that allocating time yes. I mean I, I know myself I mean I'm up normally fairly early in the morning and I, I really love being able to spend some time and the two actually go together prayer 
and Bible study. Yes. And it's a way, amazing a way the Holy Spirit does actually impact your mind through prayer, but then carries over into your into your Bible time as well. But then you get another gem. It's I'm look, I'm loving study at the moment. I, I'm reading scripture and it's like it's like God's opening my eyes more and more yeah. and I'm seeing things yeah. that I had never seen before. Gary, I need to wrap up and uh, so let me just finish with this. Take the Bible with you. Put it in your hands, read it with your eyes, store it in your heart, walk it with your feet, tell it with your lips and live it in your life starting today. Because scripture says man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Matthew 4. 4. Amen. Let's have prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you right now. We want to say thank you for giving us your word. Lord, thank you for giving us the power of your spirit. Uh, Lord, thank you for what your word means to us. I just pray, Lord, that you'd be uh, with each uh, each listener today. Lord, I pray that you may draw them through your word to walk even closer to you. Uh, Lord, I pray that if there are any with challenges in their lives right now, that you might be the almighty God and the almighty healer. Lord, we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Gary. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Helen Gray on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when I share with Pastor David Butcher and we ask, can the Bible be trusted? What does archaeology say? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. Please enjoy our our final song. Uh, this is Alison Cox and the Alison Krauss and the Cox family. I know who holds tomorrow. I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from the sunshine for its skies may turn to. Okay.